the One Two Football Podcast. The voices of tomorrow here today. As usual, we're going to have football chat. We're going to be talking about top scorer and the top assister of the Premier League this season. So let's get into it. All right, so first up for, for this episode, we're going to be talking about those top goal scorers. So currently at the moment, looking at the top three is Mohamed Salah, Bruno Fernandes, and then you've got Harry Kane and Hummin Son in joint third. So in terms of that kind of lineup, what are your thoughts on, on did you expect that at the start of the season? You know, how, how did you think it shapes up now? And then how do you think it will kind of look at the end of the season, Ollie? I mean... At the start of the season, I thought Salah would be up there. I mean, I don't think anyone would have not put Salah in sort of the top goal scorers. Same with sort of Harry Kane, you know, that sort of usual person. Bruno Fernandes, he had a great start last year or, you know, last season when he first joined and he got a lot of goals. But I don't think I expect him to get as many. I think that just shows how crucial he is to, you know, the United team. And he'll be a massive miss if he ever does get injuries. And, you know, it could hit us like Liverpool's been hit this season. I mean, Calvert-Lewin surprised me. I mean, you didn't say him, but he is also, I'm pretty sure, on the same amount of goals as, as Harry Kane on 13. So, I mean, he surprised me, I think. I don't think anyone expected him to get as many goals. I know, I'm pretty sure he had a good end to last season, I think. But, I mean, he's kind of came into his own this season um, with the new signing. So, yeah, I think the only real surprise there is Bruno for me. Yeah, I... Uh... For the same for me, I would assume Salah was going to be up there. He always is. He seems he just naturally scores goals. I think Fernandez, you can kind of see, obviously a set piece taker, very important set piece taker to Man United. Love to take penalties. Same with I think same with all three. They all, all three of them take penalties. I think Calvert Lewin does as well for Everton. No, no, he doesn't. Sigurdsson does, but the, the top three to take penalties, and that's such an important thing, especially with sort of there seemingly being more penalties this season, and, and since VAR's come in, obviously you get that more more of a lens into stuff. In terms of who's going to be at the top come the end, it's hard. To, it's really hard to tell because all three, four even, with if you include Calvert Lewin, all capable of going on a, on a run where they just score goals for fun. Mo Salah is in a bad Liverpool team, but he is carrying that front three at the minute in terms of goals. But he's so important. Bruno Fernandes is Manchester United's most important player. Everything revolves around him. And Harry Kane is the best striker in the Premier League. So it's, you know, he's of course going to be capable of scoring goals. The only thing for him is whether he picks up an injury, he can tend to pick up an injury a season that, that will kind of rule him out for a bit of time. So if that happens, that could be obviously very detrimental to him. In terms of outside contenders, I, I can't think of anyone that's going to burst on and in, in try and be able to overtake them. Patrick Bamford's the only one that comes to mind, but I don't see him kind of getting that, that top four. Well, you, you mentioned there about, about Kane. I'm hoping, from my perspective at least, that he's had that injury layoff. Um, and uh, I think come the end of the season, we'll look back on it. And, and I do genuinely believe this. I think Bruno Fernandes will be the top scorer. I just There's something about it. You, you turn on a United game and he always looks to have the ball, always wants to do something. And nine times out of ten, he will create something and it's likely that he'll score. Uh, obviously, the penalties are a large part of it. And Manchester United, leading into the stereotype, do get given a lot of penalties. And... If you just look at the three teams that those players, you know, are currently playing for, Liverpool and Spurs, at the moment at least, aren't having the best time of it. With Kane and, and Salah still up there and still actually scoring, you know, one in every two games, roughly, say. And you, and you think about the stats they're drawing in as well. And but then if you think about Bruno, who is scoring in a good team, it's likely that he'll have more chances to score. And it just, to me, I, I just don't see anyone 
doing it probably as consistently as him right now. And I do think that he'll start to to edge out in front slightly and, and personally, in my opinion, win the Golden Boot. I think it's going to be really close. I really do, but especially between Bruno and, and Salah. They're my two main ones that I would say. I mean, I think Bruno's got the most shots of anyone in the Premier League this season. So, obviously, he's going to score goals if he's shooting. But I think Mo Salah's just going to pip it. I don't know what it is. I feel like Man United at the moment have got quite a few goal scorers. You know, you've got Cavani, Rashford, Bruno. A couple of people are getting in on the act recently. Whereas Salah's kind of the main person at Liverpool getting the goals. And I think that, I think as bad as Liverpool are doing, they're going to score goals, I'd, you'd assume, in the next couple of games. And for, as season goes on, you think they'll improve. I don't think they're just going to sit back and kind of think, you know what, we're in a bad bit of form. Let's just not try that much to get out of it. I think Klopp's going to be pushing them and pushing them. And I think we will see them sort of rejuvenate as the season comes to the close. I think not many people are scoring in that Liverpool team. And I think if anyone's going to do it, it's going to be Salah. So I think for the main reason that Salah's the only person really scoring at the minute for Liverpool, I think he's going to pip it over Bruno, who's in a team of kind of, you know, a lot of people are sort of getting in the act. So for my top three, I reckon... Actually, you know what? I've really struggled with that because same with you, Ollie. The, the Bruno versus Salah, it's just so hard to tell who's going to get there because Man United have the better form. But Salah probably is the better goal scorer. His, his record shows it. And as bad as Liverpool are, Salah's always been able to find the back of the net. So I think I'm going to be with you on that. Salah to, Salah to get the, the number one slot and then Bruno Fernandes second. And then I'm, I'm going to go with Vardy to finish third. I didn't mention him on the thing, but I think Jamie Vardy's going to come back into form for Leicester in a big way. When and, you- I mean, he's already he's always in form. When you said about players that could potentially, you know, creep in, you said Bamford, I was just looking down, I was thinking, Jamie Vardy's got to be in the shower. He scores all the time. And I mean, if yeah, any quick check sort off. of, you know, do that, I'm pretty sure he's got the longest goal scoring streak, hasn't he? Currently held in the Premier League. Yeah, yeah. It's yeah, like winning season. Yeah, yeah against exactly. United, didn't he? So if anyone's going to go on a long scoring streak, I can see it being him. He's just, he's he's not really aging. He's kind of, he's a bit like a Ebra. He's kind of just getting older, but he's kind of getting better in a way. So I think he could definitely be in with a shout of, you know, maybe even Pip and Calvert-Lewin and Kane or whatever to the third place. Well, that's the scary thing. You, you mentioned you compare him with Ebra, yet they're two completely different strikers. No, Vardy he doesn't look like he's lost a yard of pace at all. He's still just as quick. Um, which is amazing when you think about it, because that's one of the things that you know normally declines as you get older. That's you know the tends to be the main one, really. Uh, and to think that he's still lightning quick, plays on the shoulder, and the way Leicester like to play with you know the, your likes of Madison and Tielemans and Ricardo Pereira coming back in as well. They're all fantastic passers the ball, long range, short range. And you have to think that Vardy's just going to love playing on that and thriving. And when you're next to players like Madison and Harvey Barnes, who are in goal-scoring form as well, you know, it, it, I think it's a massive boost. So I, I think, in terms of the the two that I said, I think I'm in agreement with Nathan that I think Vardy will pip it. You know, with with Son and Kane, it, it's it's a tough one because <laughs> similar to what Liverpool have with Salah, if anyone's going to score, you'd expect it to be those two, and normally combining with each other. Unfortunately, it doesn't look like anyone's going to score in that team at the moment, um, and. I don't even think that will change massively because it, it just doesn't look like it's going to. Um, which obviously is a massive shame, in my perspective anyway. Um, and you just look at the three teams who have that scorer in our top three and you just think there's a better chance of them attacking, scoring more goals and winning games. Outside bet of uh, Gundogan coming in there, creeping into the top three. Now I know he's out injured, I think, isn't he? But I mean, he seems I think he's back now. Oh, okay. I mean, I think Aguero is coming back, though, so that may, you know, 
could put a dampen on his sort of goal scoring streak. But I mean, he could. He could push well, it. Well, the Bruyne is back now as well. And that, that, I think that was the reason Gundogan, or Gundogan, um, sorry, just kept scoring because he played in that free role which De Bruyne would normally play. In. Um, so I think it will mostly be interesting to see how the two play together. As I think Gundogan's taken that role off De Bruyne while he's been out on sideline. Um, so I, I think that's going to be really crucial to see or whether or not Gundogan rises up the ranks a bit more, kind of similar to how he has over the last two months. We're seeing that a lot more often, I think, in sort of the modern sort of football era of the fact that those sort of, you know, Cam sort of Bruno sort of De Bruyne sort of people are sort of, they're getting more goals. It's always been the striker and the wingers, but I feel like in the last couple of years, that sort of Cam position has really come into its own and it's been really crucial to getting goals. Like Madison's getting them. Bruno obviously is up there getting them. He's an exceptional player, but I've got a lot of people in those sort of positions, like Gundogan has. He's been pushed up pitch sort of a bit more in recent games, and he's picking up goals. So I don't know. I just feel like that's a really good shout for sort of golden, golden boot in you know coming into the next couple of seasons because it's always been the sort of striker or wingers. But I think Cam's really need to be given a sort of a look in in that sort of position. I think the role has changed. When you when you thought of a ten about five six years ago, it was that player that would find the pass, always would find the pass, and as and that was when football was very ticky-tack. It was a lot on possession at that point. Because football goes through trends, like anything in, in the world. It, it has trends and it has things that it's kind of don't work with time. Foot, pressing is the, new, is the new kind of trend. Obviously, people have been pressing for, for years. It's, it's not new. But a, a lot of teams look to play that high-intensity, high-tempo football. So therefore, attacking midfielders, especially in that 10, they're finding themselves in way better positions to actually influence the game in a goal-scoring sense, except from just finding picking passes. I mean, you look back at some of the old school attacking midfielders and, and they're probably completely different to, to what Bruno Fernandes and the likes of can do nowadays. So second up, top assisters. There's a lot of people caught sort of around that area. There's four top people being Kane, Bruno, Grealish and De Bruyne. So it's going to be interesting to see how this unfolds. Um, Kieran, who do you think you know, is going to sort of pip it or is going to be your top three? Well, I'd, I'd love to tell you that it's Harry Kane at the top, like he is now. Um, unfortunately, I can't do that because it just doesn't look like we're going to score. You know, I, I watched the, the West Ham game at the weekend and Kane had, I think he put in two fantastic, maybe three crosses, just no one on the end of it. And I saw something that said that almost that relationship is kind of deteriorating a bit. Obviously, it's still there, but Son has played mounds of minutes this season. Um, and he desperately needs a rest. And I think that's starting to show, which is why those two haven't been linking up as much as they have. And I, and I saw something that said, if only Harry Kane was on the end of Harry Kane's crosses, because that's just how good they are. And so with no one for him to assist, I don't think he's going to be sticking around at the top uh, for much longer. And with people, you know, just one or two behind him, I think a few months ago, he was well out ahead. Um, I think he, probably because he assisted all four of Son's goals against Southampton right at the start of the season. That sort of set the tone and set the pace for that shot. Um, but for me, Kevin De Bruyne has just come back. Um, he's come back into a City team that are scoring goals and doing it miraculously well. Um, but I do think that he will be pipped by Bruno Fernandes. So I, I'm going for a, a Bruno Fernandes clean sweep, um, if you like, in the, with him with the golden boot and, and also with him getting those the top of the assists. I, I just think that in terms of chances created and what he does, it's, it's absolutely ridiculous. Um, and, and I think it's he's on 15 goals, 10... Oh, sorry, yeah, 15 goals, 10 assists in 25 games. And, you know, a bit of 
quick maths, you work out that that's well, he does something meaningful every single game. Um, and that's that's pretty impressive, I think. Um, so for me, I, I think he will get that top assist of um, credit. Yeah, it's hard to look past those two. Uh, Grealish would, would be someone that you would, I'd, I'd very much consider if he wasn't injured for a month. So if he had the leak and then he didn't play against Leicester. And, well, I think <clears throat> one thing from that game is that Matty Cash kind of seemed a bit more important to Villa because Villa do have decent replacements for Grealish in, in the end, but they don't have a good right-back replacement. That's for another time. I don't think Grealish will end up in that top assist. Well, I don't think... I think he's going to keep that fourth place, though, because everyone else behind him is on like six. So I think I think he'll probably just about keep it. But for me, it's hard to look past Kevin De Bruyne. It really is. I mean, he just is the best playmaker in the world. So it's, so it's very hard to, to look past him in the team that probably plays the best football in the league. They're... It's hard. I just can't see how he doesn't get it. But I mean, it's very. Bruno Fernandes is incredibly important to Manchester United. He's so important to basically every goal they score, everything they do. So he's definitely my second place. And Kane will probably keep that third. I, I imagine Kane getting enough assists to kind of keep him up there and chasing, but not enough to, to come up with the with the win. I just want to ask. First of all, I don't know how many assists Kane's got in the past, but this seems like a lot more assists for him this season than he's had previously. I mean, I could be completely wrong, but I can't ever remember him being an assister. He was a, he was a goal scorer. You know, that's that's what he was. And this season, he's been a goal scorer and also an, an assist maker, if you like, if that's even a word. Just the fact that he's kind of taken on that responsibility that Ericsson had um, and they built up that understanding, him and Son. Trouble is, though, it's all good and well, that working at the start of the season when... Arguably, teams didn't know about it as much or know about it as well. But now, midway through the season, it's still plan A, which is fine. But you've got to have a plan B. When you don't have a plan B, you lose five of your last six league games, which is currently where Spurs are. Um, So it's a miraculous achievement, really, for someone who is still scoring goals to then still be getting assists. And and you look at the, the charts of him and Bruno Fernandes, and I think... You know, it's it's probably more rare that you see one player in both of the top three. And that's what you've got with Kane and Fernandes. But they're both completely different players, of course. Um, both take penalties, which probably does help um, the, their, their standings. But it's that's when you know that a player is just that good, when they can do both of those things quite comfortably well. And had it been for, or had it not been for, for, the, for Kane's injury, um, slight dip in form I think he would have absolutely run away with it but now I just I just don't see it well back to my um, my top three I think everyone's kind of said what the points are and I think that obviously I think Kane will finish third I think Grealish would have easily overtaken him if he was um, not injured because he's out for a month I think um, we found out um, so you know that's quite a long period of time to be out towards this end of the season and kind of miss out on the assists so, but I think I think Bruno's going to do it. I'm I'm in agreement with Kieran. I think it's going to be a clean sweep for Bruno, um, in terms of getting that. Actually, I didn't say top goal scorer. I? I said Salah. Salah. It's not. A, it's not. A, it's not a, yeah. Um, I think I think he'll. I think he missed out on top goal scorer. But I don't think he'll miss out on the assist. Uh, got that wrong then. Um, but but yeah, I just I think he's going to beat De Bruyne. I think I think once again it comes down to how important he is in the Man United team, and I think that. Apart from, you know, I said others are scoring goals, I think he's the main sort of person to assist the goals in the, um, in the Man United team. And I think De Bruyne's been out for a few games, so it's going to take a bit to get into a stride. He's a world-class player. It's not going to take him very long at all. I wouldn't be surprised if he does get an assist in his first game back. But I think sort of the form and the rhythm that, De Bruyne, uh, that Bruno's got in his play at the moment is just 
going to, and I think, just put him ahead of De Bruyne in terms of that race. But I mean, De Bruyne's got everything and he's, I'd say he's definitely better than, than Bruno in terms of the overall player. So it would not shock me at all if uh, De Bruyne, you know, just pips uh, Bruno to the to the uh, winning of the amount of assists. You can carry. You can carry on as well. <laughs> Brilliant. I, I was just going to ask them because you mentioned there about De Bruyne being injured. I mentioned about Kane being injured. Has Bruno Fernandes actually missed a game without being? I remember the game against West Ham where he was rested and drastically was brought on at half time when things going well, weren't going well. But has he actually missed a game through injury? He's not missed a game through injury. No, I don't think so. That's just in in the modern day at the level he's playing is absolutely ridiculous. I think people looked at his work rate and I think the the clip that obviously you don't win games and stuff through work rate but it definitely helps and I, I, the game against Norwich last season the FA Cup extra time it was 110 115 minutes in and he was sprinting back and making those kind of challenges I think it's just a testament to the level of fitness that he has which is incredible and his durability in terms of you know not being able to get injured because if I was playing against him, touch he was wood. getting on the nerves. Touch, touch wood right now as a Man United fan. Just touch it, wood. You just keep saying he's not been injured. So. Everyone just touch it for me, please. No. Because <laughs> the likelihood is, you'd think the amount of times he gets fouled, he would at some point pick up some kind of injury. You know, because if I was playing against him, you know, you, you would probably just, just that little kick, just to, you know, the classic, let him know you're there. Um, and you see, I think you see it a fair bit. He, it's yeah. not, I'm not saying he goes down loads it's just more he does get fouled a lot and you'd have thought he'd miss more games but to have that level of consistency to probably play 90 minutes week in and week out you know it, it's incredible and and as well he looks annoyed when he's brought off with five minutes to go and the results already in the back and that's the exact kind of mentality and attitude you want and I even if he does sweep up the golden boot and top assist I don't think he's the kind of person to be happy or content with that you know I think he wants proper trophies and that's that mentality in football for me is just you don't I don't think you see it as much really or as evidently as you do it in Fernandez. You, you said 90 minutes week and week out he's probably playing double that when we have you know multiple games in a week he's playing in basically every single one of them like you said so but I just think do you guys think, I personally definitely think this, I think he's been the most impactful transfer that I can remember in the Premier League era. I think he's just been had such a massive impact on that Manchester United team. I know everyone mm. says it's just like, you know, the Monday Cantona and the sort of the impact he's had in that team, but he really has had such an astonishing impact on that entire team. I mean, that he's he single-handedly put them from where they were into second place. Without Bruno, we would not be making the strides that we have been in, you know, the last season or so. So, I mean, I just think he's been absolutely incredible. I think in the last few years, then possibly, yeah, the most impactful. You'd have to research back back before our time who was the most impactful ever. I think even the only other contender I can think of is Van Dijk, maybe, because obviously he was kind of the, the cog that turned the into that incredible side that we saw last season. But one thing, seeing Fernandes and Kane, I've never seen two players so important to their team. I, Feels a lot while since I don't. They're not one club, one team players. Like one one player team. Sorry, <laughs> struggle to say. We know what you. But we know what you meant. <laughs> they make. They are so important, and, and I just kind of want to change it to Kane. If Tottenham don't finish in the top four this season, surely he's got to look for a move. I mean, surely. I wouldn't blame him. I saw that. I think Tottenham said that they won. Was it two hundred or one hundred and fifty million pounds? I think yeah. I read the other day that if Manchester United won him, that they're going to have to like do a record transfer. But I mean. 
imagine, I think that's exactly what we're missing. I saw stats the other day for Martial and that he wants to be the, you know, the main person up front and that he's hardly ever in the box. So I, I just think, imagine with Bruno Fernandes behind Harry Kane, with Harry Kane being that sort of, you know, in the box presence, Man United would just be so good. Just so good, I think. I'd love to see that happen. I mean, look at Kieran's going to cry. <laughs> the idea of that. I don't think it's going to happen. I don't think he would go to Manchester United if he moved. But I do think that that would be exactly the sort of thing that Man United are looking for. But in terms of strikers, if he did leave, I was just thinking, I know Vinicius, uh, what's his name? I can't, I'm not going to get his name right, so you can say it. The striker. Vinicius. Yeah. Uh, he was brought in. Has he, everyone was saying, oh, it's good to finally have, you know, a, a backup striker that's going to be getting the goals. Has he, and I know you were very happy about it, Kieran. Has he been the transfer that you thought he was going to be? It's it's very strange because Harry Kane, of before this season, was incredibly important. Somehow he's found a way to become more important to the point where he is a nine, a ten, sometimes even a defender. That's what it feels like. And when you have, when you take that out of the team and bring it in with a backup striker, yes, who's not as good, you massively notice it because. Kane will come deep. Vinicius is not that kind of player. He will stay there as a vocal point. And his goal against Wolfsburger in the Europa League was the exact kind of goal that I'd expect him to score, which is, I think it was just a loose ball dropped towards him. He reacted quickly and scored. That's the kind of goals that he gets. And when you go from having Kane who comes deep, receives the ball, brings other players into the game, Vinicius is not going to do that. So for Spurs to adapt to using him in the right way, they have to completely change their game plan. And I don't think Jose wants to do that, which is why we haven't seen him as much because he doesn't want to risk changing quite literally everything to fit that vocal point up front that we wouldn't normally have with Kane because it would normally be the running in behind, the dropping deep, the picking up the ball and, and bringing others into the game, which is why Vinicius has really struggled for opportunities. I mean, you've always said, and everyone knows, that Spurs aren't going to get, uh, you know, an elite striker while they've got Harry Kane. But, you know, if Harry Kane does move and Man United would happily take him, maybe you'll get a, another world-class striker to fill in the boots. Yeah, I, I think, I think well, we'd have to, really. Um, I've seen a lot of stuff about Julian Nagelsmann from Leipzig. Um, and it's wishful thinking, of course, and things would need to go a certain way and, Personally, I don't see Daniel Levy relieving Mourinho of his duties. I just think their relationship right now is is too strong. Levy's chased him for, I think, a decade to be the Spurs manager and he won't want to give that up. A million pound price tag that it would take to get rid of him. That's that's the thing, yeah. I just think Darlesman has previously said he's interested in coming to England and he's got his admirers everywhere and he absolutely destroyed Spurs last season in the Champions League. He would just be a massive breath of fresh air. Um, and I think to take Spurs to that next level, I think he would probably be that player. It's just whether or not he's going to have Harry Kane if he does come, if, it, if the, the lines do sort of sit together and line up. If he does come and he has Kane, you know, it could be fantastic. But how much longer are we as Spurs fans going to think about, wow, wow, look at this squad depth, look at this manager we've got, but then get no results. And that wraps up the 1-2Football podcast. Thanks for watching. Before you go, make sure to check out our Facebook at 1-2Football and our Twitter and Instagram, all at 1-2Football UK. 
and take a look at 12football.com for all the latest written pieces from our growing list of contributors from around the world. We'll be back next week.